And I say this all the time in some of my meetings. It's like, you know, although we are more connected than ever, people feel more isolated than I think we ever have. Welcome to a cup of positivity. I'm your host, Freeman Beals. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Keenan Hart, a mental health advocate, a positive crusader, and one of the co-founders of Francis, a mental health texting service. There is a ton of value in today's episode. We talk about the impacts of social media, our relationships with our cell phones, what we've both learned from daily positive posting, the dangers of setting goals and comparing ourselves to others, and why poor people are often the happiest people. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now, on with the show. I have the pleasure of introducing Keenan Hart, who's with us this morning. And Keenan calls himself a mental health advocate, a positive crusader, which I love that. That's awesome. You co-founded um, Francis. Is that pronounced yep. correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. And then as well, you're kind of on your own journey of like 365 positive positive post, right? Have you finished yet or no? No. So today will be uh, day 234 for me or wow. 235. You know, it's crazy to think about how quickly time flies. Um, you know, I started my kind of little positivity adventure because one thing, it gave me a reason to be accountable every day towards like a choice to be optimistic. Um, but other than that, you know, I think that we just need more positivity and optimism, especially out there in the newsfeed. And so being able to put structure around, you know, being positive, showing up with a good attitude every day was super important to me. And so, you know, it's something that I love to run with. And then, you know, seeing that you're doing something very similar was just so awesome to see. And I was like, dude, this guy's doing exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. I love it. You know, what drove you to start doing the 365, like 365 days of it? Was it just yeah. like on a whim or? So my story is a little bit unique. When I first started in the entrepreneurial space, um, I was 24. So this is 2014. And, you know, the first couple of years of business were very tough for me. And I started a telehealth company back then, 27 years old, it's 2017. And times are tough. Nobody really believes in my business model or that telehealth is going to be a thing, which is crazy to think about now. <laughs> and so, you know, just the ups and downs of life were kind of challenging at that time. And I was realizing that so much was outside of my control. And so I started thinking about if I can control one thing, it's going to have to be my mindset. And so what I started doing January 1st of 2017 was hopping on Instagram every single day and doing 365 days of positivity and a short 20 second, like, Hey guys, today's going to be an amazing day. If you're doing something that you love, great way to put one small step in today. And it was very interesting because when I got to day 100, when I got to like day 212, 230, 260, yeah. whatever it was, a couple things happened. One, from the inside, I started realizing that my brain was looking at situations to be a little bit more optimistic because I was waking up every day and kind of hard coding that response, which was great. And the second thing was something that started happening with all my friends. My friends would come out when we'd be at the bars or we'd be downtown or somewhere like that. And they'd be like, hey, man, I just want you to know that like your positive message every single day is super impactful for me. And you've helped me get through some tough times. I wake up every morning or every night, I go back to your Instagram story and I look at that little message. So I just wanna wow. say thanks. And I was like, dude, I'm doing this positivity thing for me, but it's also having reaching effects on the people around me. Imagine how many other people we could impact if more people were just like this. Yeah, if you create that ripple effect of it, right? And it's interesting, I think, you know, you get caught into how much impressions you're having online, right? But it's interesting that you say that, you know, people, friends at the bar and stuff like that would say, because that's something I found as well. 
you know, you never really know what kind of impact you're having, you know, online. You're like, you might get a few comments or a few likes and stuff like that, right? But I think that the interesting thing that happens when you, people come up to you in person, that's when it really feels, it starts to feel really, really real, right? When people it, are like, man, you know, that, that helped me in the morning. Like, I saw that, you know, like I've had friends reach out to me with my newsletter and they're like, man, it's such a great way to, to ground myself every every Monday morning. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you're just having a great impact on people. You know, I had a conversation with somebody recently about maybe the lack of social validation that comes sometimes from being positive, you know, mm. and I think we're going to kind of move in this direction in the conversation today. But, you know, sometimes like being positive is looked at as being like toxic. In a world of negativity, some people are like, dude, you just like can't have a good attitude all the time, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like when people really lean into being positive, sometimes they get lashed, like, you know, people push back against that. And so it creates almost like an idea of a silent observer. And that's how I'd like to be able to put it. You know, people are viewing what you're doing, but maybe they're not engaging in the feed. Maybe they're not giving you the likes or the comments that you mm -hmm. kind of get from other types of posts, but you're still having a really big impact. And I love that that's what's happening for you in your newsletter, man. That's so cool. Yeah, it's been, it's been really, been really, really powerful. And it, 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 it's interesting that like, for me, a, a big driver of it is that like that ripple effect that you can cause, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of the, the biggest things that I remember hearing somewhere was like, you know, there's 7.8 billion people on, on earth. If you can imagine if each of us did one nice thing for another person, the impact yep. that has is enough to change the world. And it's just, it's that easy. It really, really kind of is that simple. And I think that's where our human nature is too, though. You know what I mean? Like, I think people want to be nice to each other and we want to be supportive of one another because I'm a big believer in what you put out is what you get back. It might take yeah. some time to go full circle, but, you know, there are just times when I've had people who have given me a compliment. I'll wear, I wear this one black T-shirt and on the back, it has a big yellow smiley face and it says positivity always wins. And it's so interesting because people will come up to me in the store and be like, hey, can I take a picture with your shirt? Or I love your shirt, blah, blah, blah. And it's just really interesting how people naturally gravitate towards the good things, the good feeling things. And it's just like in such contrast to everything that we see on social media these days and the news and the media and everything like that. What I want to touch on that a little bit because like that's definitely a problem that you, you touched a little bit on it earlier as well. That, that issue with like how much negativity there is in like social feeds and stuff like that. Um, was that part of your driving force to being like, man, I gotta, I have to be more active with how much positive I put out just in an attempt to kind of counteract that ridiculous amount of negative we see? Absolutely, man. You know, I think it's just so vital for people to see a positive influence on social media in the world. Uh, because a lot of people don't have that in their home. A lot of people don't get that from their friends. A lot of people don't get that from the the system that they participate in, if that's school, if that's work every single day. And so when I start thinking about, you know, what do I want to be remembered as? It started to mm. think about like, I would love to be, and we were having a conversation about Marvel, the superheroes. I would rather be a superhero than a villain in this world. And sometimes you don't get rewarded as equally, as quickly for being on either side of the fence. But, you know, it's just like a huge thing for me. And we can talk about this a little bit as well. One of my really good friends, Dante, always talks about marketers ruin everything. And he's like, <laughs> if there's an opportunity in the world, marketers are going to take advantage of it. And when I think yeah. about the media today, I think about the news. I think about how we've optimized for attention. And the easiest way to optimize for attention is by putting out scary stuff, headlines, 
um, trailers, snippets, breaking news, because we naturally pay attention to that stuff subconsciously or consciously, just our brain mm. does. And so yeah, it's like we're wired, we're wired that way. Yeah. And so we've skewed mm. in that direction. And it's just been very interesting to see like how clickbaity the world has gotten. And that naturally comes with a dose of negativity because it's easily to grab our attention. Yeah, this this kind of wraps back into when you put a lot of positive people are like, people can be a bit kind of against it almost in a way. And it goes to this thought that I had a, not a while ago about this book I was reading. And it's got this concept in this research that states that like it takes, I might get the numbers a little bit wrong, but I think it takes like 2.6 positives to outweigh a negative. And then if you look at that in like the grand scheme of how our social media looks, man, we got we to be putting out a heck of a lot more positive, <laughs> like to counteract that negative, right? If it's, if 2.6 is the ratio, so like, let's call it one, three to one, you know, it needs to be three positive things to one negative thing. There's no way we're even close to that right now. Not a no, no way, man. And it's like, but like how many, this is a question I love to ask people as well. How many positive things do you say to yourself each day? You know, like how many positive reaffirming, encouraging words do you say to yourself? Or do you wake up in the morning and be like, man, I wish I had or man, I could have done that better. And it's like, how many thoughts do we put into our own mind each day? That statistic is so interesting to me because mm -hmm. once again, I think that's where our kind of like our primitive brains and our primal brains come from. It's like the negative is so much more attention worthy than the positive is. That's such a good statistic, but it's also incredibly yeah. scary. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is scary. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, is there an issue with being negatively optimistic? I'm like, you'd have to go so far. <laughs> you I would. And we, I mean, and I want to get into a little bit of talk about like rose tinted glass and stuff like that. But before we go there, you'd mentioned kind of waking up and, you know, how you start your day and what you, how you talk to yourself. And I'm just curious on what some things that you've started doing that sort of help you each day to kind of either start the day off right. Maybe it's a good cup of coffee um, or, you know, end your day strong. Maybe if you journal or something like that, what are some things that you do? I mean, the, the morning routine is something that I'm trying to get better at. And I have to admit, you know, one of my biggest flaws right now, and I'm even starting off with a negative, which is crazy, um, <laughs> is, you know, I instantly hop on my phone and I need to be better about doing that. You know, Jay Shetty mm. talked about one time, the guy that I follow on Instagram talked yep. about, you know, if you want to have a really good mindset, you need to have environmental design. And that environmental design means making sure that your space is conducive to you having good thoughts. And one of the things that I'm trying to get away from from this device is I live in Vegas is the slot machine wheel that I pull when I open up my phone in the morning. I can't control what my email is going to see or what I'm going to see in my email. I certainly can't see or control what's going to be in my feed. So I need to be a little bit better about controlling those first couple moments. Um, but one of the biggest routines that has really helped me is a practice that I call three wins. So each morning I will wake up in the morning and I will document what three wins would be for me today. That would make today a great day. Mm. And I do the same thing at nighttime as well. I talk about what were three wins from the day that I had that I can be proud of. And then I document what would make tomorrow a great day. And so that little act of just writing those things down creates momentum. And it was kind of rough the first couple of weeks that I was doing it. And I was like, dude, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. But as soon as I started doing it a little bit more, I noticed that I had days and days and days of positive things that were happening in my life. It was so much easier to kind of carry that momentum into the day as well. How about you, man? What are your kind of like? Yeah, it, really similar as well. I don't, I'm, again, I'm not great in the morning. I need, that's something I got to get better at. I know mm -hmm. I've, I've had periods where like I've been getting, I'll get out of bed right away and do a quick workout first thing in the morning. Yeah. And try not to look at my phone other than to just to pick a, a quick 10 minute podcast to put on while yeah. I'm on the bike or the elliptical or whatever. 
I've kind of slipped a little bit off that bandwagon. And interestingly enough, I know like the phone is so bad because interestingly what it does as well is if you're, I'm getting better at this, but like if you go on like to TikTok or like reels first thing in the morning, it actually floods your brain with dopamine and ruins your motivation for the rest of the day because now your body knows where to get that dopamine fix and it won't look for it elsewhere. It's like, oh, I get it from the phone and now suddenly like doing anything else doesn't seem as fun because it doesn't flood with dopamine. So I'm really trying to cut that out. But the evenings, yeah, I, I, I have a journal beside my bed and I write three things that went well that day, three things I learned, three things that I'll do tomorrow and three things I'm grateful for. Oh, that's, pr- that's powerful, man. I love that. It's, it's been huge. And I think, you know, I, I've talked to a few people about this and they're like, man, like, how do you start? Like, how do you pick these things? And I'm like, don't, don't try to like, you don't have to make big affirmations every single day. If you had a good sandwich that day, write that down. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the sandwich I had for lunch, right? Or, oh, the, the sun was shining during my walk and it, was, it felt good on my face today. Like, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's just retraining your brain to start looking for those positives. And what it does as well is our brains can be trained to do things. That's, that's how it works, right? And so if you consistently every single day, and they actually, I just, again, just read about a study about this. They had um, a number of participants write down for, just for a week, three positive things each day for a week. And they found that even up to six months later, those individuals were still happier and oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, they make, make sense, but actually they were healthier as well. They had less signs of illness. Wow. And they only, and they only did it for a week. Dude, that's powerful. <laughs> I mean, something that really clicked with me there was something that I'm also trying to get better at, which is trying to be appreciative for the human experience a little bit more. You know, the human experience that we live on a daily basis, especially living in America, living in a super, you know, formed country with resources around us is an absolute blessing. And so many people don't even have the fundamentals that we have. And especially, you know, over the last year, we've seen like Russia push into Ukraine and all the people be disbanded from their country and pushed out into different like refugee camps and stuff like that. Often, I think we don't do a good enough job of realizing how lucky we really are to even show up and do this kind of stuff. The fact that you and I are on a live stream, we're talking about, you know, our cup of positivity <laughs> is just like an incredible experience. And like, what an amazing time to be alive. And having that sense of perspective is just so important for me. But it takes a lot of effort to continue to like put yourself in a place of appreciation and gratitude. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that that's huge. Like, it's something that I thought about a lot about yesterday, obviously, but being Remembrance Day up here in Canada and Veteran Day for you guys down there. Mm-hmm. The fact that, yeah, like you said, we can wake up and spend Saturday morning doing this is, yeah, I mean, the level of gratitude that you got to have for that is, is huge. And I just want to take a quick second here, actually, and this suggestion is great from, from Marty in the chat. He said a good thing that he's done, and he actually, is he's moved it onto his iPad instead of his phone, which is oh. he generally leaves off somewhere where it's not right by his bed or something like that. Interesting. Go and turn on his iPad if he wants to look at them instead of having it super accessible on the phone. Yeah, Marty, I I love that because like you're putting that that small like gate between you, right? Which is super important. And I think maybe that's the biggest issue that we have with these little devices these days is like, oh God, I was having a conversation with my dad and somebody who was a little bit older the other day. And they're like, do you remember when they started calling these things smartphones and what you could do on these things? It's like, because they're, we can do our banking. We can stay in touch with our loved ones. We can instantly face call, FaceTime people. We can video chat. We can do everything on this device. The line has kind of gotten blurred as to what role this really plays in our lives. 
And it's just very interesting to kind of be at this time in history and having little controls like that, like Marty suggested are so powerful. Um, that's yeah. so cool. I need to start doing that. Yeah. I turned, I turned off all the notifications a long time ago. Um, other than like text messages and phones, I still get in. Oh, mm -hmm. I think I still might get Facebook messages, but everything else, any Instagram notifications, LinkedIn notifications, I turned all of them off. Cause like yeah. you're, you're going to check on them anyways. Yeah. So that way that when that little, like that little bing, you're not waiting for that little like bing to happen. Right. That little notification noise to come in. And... I mean, can we, can we riff on that for a second? You know, yeah. um, the thing that was really popular a couple, maybe years ago now was a documentary or a show on Netflix called the social dilemma mm -hmm. and how they yep. talk about, you know, the power of these platforms that have been divided by our design, like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all these other things. They slowly but surely change our behavior through time by having them be designed to release dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting to see how they've gone in that direction towards being so psychologically designed to be addictive, which is something that I think we're still all dealing with. Because if I go out into society, I look around, everybody's on their devices. And we've been slowly but surely seduced to stay on these little devices yeah. every single day. It's very interesting to me, and Marty said this again in the chat, use do not disturb. I think it's interesting that Apple as a company has created all of these mechanisms and tools and safeguards for us to be able to protect those notifications and those interruptions on a daily basis. What's kind of your two cents on why that stuff's so important? I mean, I guess there's a few things now that my brain's kind of mulling them over. A, like you said, it's that level of dopamine hit, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's training yourself to knock it, to look elsewhere for the dopamine hit instead of instead of on the device. But I also think that we lose the connection of individuals. Like they say the interesting thing that even having your phone on the table when you're having a conversation with somebody makes us pay less attention to the other person. Even if it's not our phone, even if it's somebody else's phone, even if it's face down, research shows that it actually makes you feel less connected to everybody else at the table. So I make a habit of pulling my phone off. Like if I'm eating, like the phone's in a pocket. I need to be better at that at home, but at a restaurant, I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that. Yeah. But I think that it's definitely something, I mean, I guess it goes to show how addictive that level of dopamine hits are because we, like you said, we have the technology to hit the do not disturb, to not have the app on our phone, mm -hmm. but we don't. <laughs> we don't. Right. I mean, uh, so Linda, I'm looking in the chat right now. Linda said, you know, yet so many of our resources separate us. So there's a very interesting um, mm. terminology out there and it's called alone together. And if you've ever seen a picture of a family or if you've ever been at a social outing, maybe a dinner where everybody is hanging out together, but everybody is stuck on these devices, right? Or maybe we communicate through these devices. That perception is so interesting to me. You know, I think we need to do a better conscious job of realizing kind of why it's so important to have that human connection. And I say this all the time in some of my meetings. It's like, you know, although we are more connected than ever, people feel more isolated than I think we ever have. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting that these devices are creating like a false sense of connectivity that maybe we're getting that quick release from, from a dopamine perspective, but we're actually looking for that human connection and that long, gradual pull at what is really going to actually satisfy us. Um, that's just so interesting to me. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you talked before about it, kind of us being slowly trained to be that way, right? It's why Amazon has been so successful. It's that initial, it's that immediate gratification, right? Mm. And it's, I guess it's the same issue that's going on with the way that we feel like we're part of, we're communicating with everybody, but only on an immediate gratification level, right? We're building a community, but only on an immediate gratification level. We're not getting the long-term effects that come with, with that. 
is there anything that you do to like counteract that? Like, is there anything that you've tried or you've seen people do to kind of either less time on their phone or just to connect better with individuals in, in a social setting? Man, I mean, you know, like the last couple of years have been very challenging. You know, I have been incredibly blessed in my professional life to always be somewhat of an entrepreneur, but I've also been at a huge disadvantage because I haven't had the sense of camaraderie that a lot of people have in their professional career. Um, I say all that to say, I need to do a better job of actually getting out into the world and networking and spending time with people and actually investing those hours to build those actual relationships rather mm -hmm. than just the virtual stuff. You and I, you know, have been able to build a relationship and a friendship virtually by being able to do things like this, but it would be so much more gratifying if I could actually spend time with you. And it's just like this yeah. distance that these little devices and these screens create today is incredible. Um, but I would love to be able to get out into the world and spend a little bit more face time actually with people because it's just so much more satisfying to actually like be able to rub elbows and have that human connection. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm working on that, man. I got to get better. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it kind of drives me to something that it, I wasn't going to talk about oddly enough wasn't on my on my radar today. But it's interesting that you say that I just finished doing a speaking gig um, at a conference last week. And I've done a couple of virtual ones, but that's the first like big one I've done in person in a long time. And it's the energy's different, isn't it, when you're in person? And like you said, even if we were sitting down in a studio talking to each other, just that level of human energy is quite interesting. And the reason I kind of want to talk about that is like I'm not a, I'm not like a energy kind of person, you know, go that far with it, right? I don't, I don't yeah. even know what my astro sign is, but I can't deny the fact that like there is that level of like human energy that kind of goes back and forth when you kind of get into a face-to-face -face scenario and even just in a group mm -hmm. the morning you just yeah what's what's your opinion on that like what do you think like how important is that energy and like in in our lives and you know how do yeah. we get more of it before i dive into that i want to take a second to ask you kind of like so how did you feel like what were you feeling in those moments when like you had to stand up in front of the group of people to present like take us like to a visceral moment of like explaining mm. how Freeman felt when he like went up in front of the crowd. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because like that was my that was probably like my first professional speaking, you know, mm -hmm. with a podium and a presentation and and I'd done a lot of other like kind of ad hoc public speaking things and you know been a raft guide for a year so lots of talking to people like in front of that but yeah. that's different man when you have to like you know you've got like a presentation and I've got like the microphone on and the clicker in my hand and i'm just like oh wow like this is doing this thing the initial stand-up was i would say a little bit uncomfortable obviously yeah. you're a little nervous right i did a a quick kind of thing with everybody to have them say something nice to the people beside them and stuff like that and that totally broke the whole kind of shattered the the roof so to speak on that on that negative getting everybody going and then there was all the other talk going on so that was really interesting. And then as I got into the flow of it, it was it was good. I'm not a person to read off notes and stuff like that in my presentations either. So I could see the crowd. And the most interesting thing for me was the level of engagement that you see people getting. And it was, I guess it, it ties into this that like, you don't see that so much in a straight social setting. It's, you know, a bit unpolite to pull your phone out during a presentation and like, look at it, right? But during a, if you're at the, at the bar with some friends or like that, two or three people could be on their phone and that's fine. It's fairly normal, I guess. But I guess having full levels of engagement and people like paying attention was really cool. And it's like a feeling that I'm quite excited to, to get again. 
Yeah. I mean, that's just so awesome that you had an opportunity to actually forge that connection with people. And I think, you know, one of the best things about being in person is whether we like it or not, we have so many abilities to pick up on other people's language, if that's body language, if that's verbal language. And like, we're naturally always picking up and intuitively recognizing what is going on in the environment. And so I love the fact that you're actually able to get up in front of people, but you feel that connection as well. It's very interesting that you talk about it's rude for people to pull out their cell phones <laughs> while they're in a big group setting listening to you, the speaker. But while we're at the bar with our friends hanging out, people will still be on their little devices kind of in their own little zone. That's just very interesting to me. Yeah, it's one thing that I've, you know, me and me and my wife have been have been doing for a while and will will continue to do is um, no phones at dinner time. Mm hmm. And as, as we grow family and stuff like that, I think it's really important to at least that one part of the day, right? It's like, nope, the phones are not on the table. You can't look at them. Like this time is for us to connect and, and to reconvene and, and yeah. to chat. And again, it's like, I think it's really important to just to make it easy and simple to do these things and to bring this positivity in, into your life, right? Whether it mm -hmm. be through morning gratification, nighttime journaling, a simple, hey, don't have your phone for the hour that it takes to have dinner. Right? Yeah. You don't need to be that on it. Right. I think that's the other thing too, that people feel like they're going to miss out on something. So if you kind of take the time to maybe go on like a retreat for a few days, something like that, and then you turn your phone back on and realize that nothing's happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. You turn your phone off for three days and you're like, man, like the world's going to end. And you turn it back on. You're like, Oh, I like yeah. I missed like two messages from people that aren't important. Like not that the people aren't important, but the messages weren't yeah. vitally time crucial. Right. And I think that's a misconception that we have as well. You know, something that I really love about traveling is often my device does not have international data, right? And so mm -hmm. I traveled through Thailand in 2016 with one of my buddies for like 60 days. And it was amazing because of how present you felt while you were navigating in your daily process because you didn't have to be connected to that device. And then slowly but surely, it's like you come out of the fog by realizing like, oh, the notifications on Instagram and what everybody else was doing and stuff like that wasn't even, you know, that rewarding to myself. And it's so much easier to have an optimistic attitude about what's going on in your life if you're not consistently comparing yourself or having that fear of missing out that, you know, yeah. our devices create as a secondary effect. What is so it's interesting that Lydia sort of mentioned this as well. She said that people generally poor people are actually statistically happier than those who aren't. So I'm curious what you've seen in your travels that kind of just reflect that directly. Well, I'm going to use a, um, an example of my most recent travel experience, and that was moving. So in 2020, um, my girlfriend was uh, in the process of completing grad school in Oahu, Hawaii. And, you know, I lived here in Las Vegas, and I moved out there to be with her. But one of the, you know, um, contingencies of moving out there was it's very expensive in Hawaii. And so we weren't going to be able to travel with all of our stuff. If you look behind me, it's like all the pictures on the walls and all the stuff on, you know, the shelves and the couch and all this kind of stuff. So I had to get rid of like 90% of my stuff, including my clothes to move out mm. there and just to like live in the lifestyle with her. We had a small like 300 square foot apartment. And one thing I realized in being out there was I don't need all of the stuff to be happy. And it's wild to think about like the freedom that is created when we do not have things and materialistic items that weigh us down. You know, it's like we choose almost to layer this backpack on of stuff 
that get, doesn't give us the ability to move as quickly and move as freely just because we're worried about what is in everybody else's backpack. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that makes a lot of sense that some yes. of the poorest people are happy because they don't have the construct of the social pressure of being like, well, I've got that watch or I've got that mug or I've got all of those espresso machines and all that different kind of stuff. Um, I love that point that she made um, because I believe it's so true. You don't need a lot of stuff to be happy. And it's just like something that we really need to kind of reinforce in ourselves. And maybe we're taught because of social media, because there's always something new out that we need to have something. And maybe it's that little chase that we're going through to be able to kind of fill that hole that's inside us. I don't know what your two cents is. Yeah, I think it's, you touched on, at the end there, you touched on a huge thing that something that we're taught, and this is something I'm, I'm pretty heavy into is this, we are taught it very early. It ties back to this huge issue that we're kind of taught that once we achieve a thing or once we get a thing, then we, then we get happy. Mm -hmm. right? We're taught that our entire lives from like when we were growing up in school and stuff like that, right? Oh, once you get the good grades, once you get the new career, once you get all those things, then, then you'll be happy, right? But this is not the case. That's not how, that's not how it works. It, interestingly enough, there's a ton of research that says it's the other way around, that really happiness helps you succeed and, you know, helps you get the things that you want to get. And I'll never forget this. I was, um, I was in Morocco, actually, way in the middle of the high, high Atlas Mountains. And we hiked up to this little casbah that this family had. And it was, I'm talking like it was just dirt and sand and they'd made bricks out of it. And they were building, they had like a little home and a little stables and stuff like that. And the family was there. The, you could just see their happiness. They didn't have any electricity. They might have had like a well for water. You know, they had, there had no internet, no cell phones. But they, and they, they, were, they were just happy and the kids were running around and they were having a good time. It just goes to show that like, I was like, wow, these people are genuinely happy and they have no cares. They don't know what's going on in the world. They don't know what's going on in the news. They just have what they have and that's all that they need. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, it's just, it's so powerful to hear you just give examples of that because there are so many people out there who find true happiness who are not being influenced by other people. One of my favorite books is called The, the Gap and the Gain. And it's a story about, and I'm not going to have the names correct, so forgive me, but there's a, um, a high-performing executive coach who talks about, you know, one of the biggest issues that high performers and people with high-achieving mindsets have is they always find themselves in the gap. And he's like, you know, one of the things that you consistently do and we're kind of taught to do as we come up through school and as we're climbing the corporate ladder towards success is we look at the horizon as a reference point for where we want to get. And our goal mm. is always there. But he's like, if you realize one thing when you're on a long trip or even in an airplane, the horizon is always going to be so far out there that you can never catch it. You can yeah. work for years and sprint as fast as you can, but you will never reach that point. One of the problems that I've had in my life is every single time I set a goal for myself, I sprint to get to my goal. I capture the goal. And then the first thing I do is I look up at the horizon as yeah. to where the next goal is going to be. And so I find myself between the gap of where I'm at now and where I want to be on the horizon. And it's a goal that I can never catch, which is kind of, you know, sad now that I kind of talk about it out loud. But the other side of the gap is the gain. And it's so important. And you might see this on social media sometimes when I talk about like, it's important to look backwards. And a lot of people say like, don't look back, but you have to look back at the gain to see how far you've come to get here in order to really understand how far you've traveled. And it's just like so important for me to always like pause and sometimes look back, see the ups and downs and all the steps that I've taken to get to where I'm at today. Um, it's just like so fundamental for myself because you'll never catch the horizon.
I mean, you no. can be in a, a blackbird, but you'll never catch a horizon. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's that, it's that continual goalpost, right? You always, you just push it to the next goalpost and then the next goalpost and you never actually, you never actually reach it. Yeah. I want to really quickly touch as well. Lydia just said an amazing thing that I think is, is huge. And she said, when we were talking about people and why they're so happy, mm-hmm. uh, she said, they see each other, not each other's stuff. That's huge. That's something that's a really, a really, really powerful, a really powerful statement. So I wanted to, yeah. I wanted Lydia, to I, I think you're so right, Lydia. You know, the, that human connection, you know, it's so cool when you meet people, like I'll use the traveling example again, when you meet people abroad, because you're meeting this person in a moment in time, you're not looking at their bank account. You're not looking at the clothes that they have on, but you're sharing an experience of human connection. And that's just so mm-hmm. vital, you know, often today, and there's some so many like systematic social constructed terms that we have to kind of overcome. But like one of the things that I consistently pivot away from is when you're in a social situation and someone says, nice to meet you, what do you do? And like that question that we ask automatically is assigning value to somebody based on the value they create in society. Like, what do you do? It's like, well, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a doctor or I am a, a role that all of us kind of like put on each other's hierarchy or that post. And I think it's so interesting to be able to pivot away from that. So one of the questions that I ask when I meet people for the first time is like, hey, Freeman, so nice to meet you, man. What are you excited about right now? Like what's going on and something that like you really are excited about? And like, it takes it away from that. Like, I'm going to put myself in a measuring post against you in this moment to see what value you bring to others. Man, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. What are you excited about right now? Yeah. Cause then it I'm takes people to a different place. Yeah. yeah. It takes somebody to a different place. It's a different mindset shift that uh, gets somebody to actually like open up about what they're passionate about or what's going on in their world, rather than just like the things that you've accumulated to present yourself with a shiny watch or something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Have you got some, I bet you've got some good answers then. I have gotten some good answers, but a lot of the time people have the same reaction. They're like, um, what am I excited <laughs> about right now? Uh, well, I mean, like I'm a big sports fan, you know what I mean? And like yeah, my yeah. Tigers won yesterday. So like, that's really cool. And I'm like, that gives you an opportunity to go deeper into what that person oh, actually is rather than what they have or what role yeah. they play. You know what I'm saying? Man, I love that. That's so good. Yeah, it goes along. Like, I mean, it's like that other thing. It's good too, because it's not like, oh, how are you? Which is just a, a an empty question that we kind of, we throw around a lot nowadays, right? Yeah. And you know, you, oh, I'm good. And it's like, no, you're not. are you really though? <laughs> yeah. And like, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. Do you think that we spend less time in those deep levels of conversations because of how quick we are on social media and stuff like that now? Absolutely, man. You know, one of the things that, and this is my one thing that my best friend really got me into the the process of doing is like, when you meet people, you have a unique opportunity to learn who they are, rather than just going through the same standard questions, like, how was your day today? It was good. Like, what'd you do? Nothing just worked. Like, okay, so like, we're only here, we're at a surface level here together. But like, let's talk about things that are like deeper and what's going on. And like those conversations you have at the bar, those conversations you have in meeting new people, when you're out at a place, you at the gym and someone tells you about what's going on in their life. It's very interesting to me that like a lot of those experiences are shared human experiences as well. Mm. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for realizing how similar we are to other people um, in all of the experiences that we've been through. I mean, I'll use the pandemic as an example. Work on year two and a half now coming like on the backside of the pandemic shit stuff is still happening consistently. But everybody acts like 
we just kind of like are going to walk out of this situation in that way. You know what I mean? Like we all just went through a super traumatic experience in the world shutting down, losing identity, but we're all just going to keep moving past it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just be like, it's good. I'm fine. Be like, are you sure you're fine? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fine. You know what I mean? I wish I could talk about it more. Yeah. And I guess that's a bit of an issue with, I think people's level of self-reflection. I think people, because they have so many outlets to distract themselves from themselves, we don't spend as much time in 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 boredom in self-reflection that we we maybe need to be doing and i think it's a huge thing that we all need to be more aware of is like we often forget that although we have all these other relationships going on the one relationship that we tend to forget about is the one that we have with ourselves that's the one that that's the really that's the most important relationship i could not agree more and that was a huge part of the pandemic. And this is why I'm so passionate about mental health over the last couple of years. Like I've always been in the space since 2014, but I recognize once the pandemic occurred, we had more time to spend with ourselves. We didn't have the distractions of getting it up in the morning and going to my morning routine. We didn't have the hour and a half car ride to work or the hour and a half car ride back from work. We didn't have the men's league um, softball games to go to. I didn't have to drop my kids off at, you know, gymnastics. There was so much of the routine that we were instantly mm. shaken out of. And that's why I think it's so interesting that, you know, mental health in itself exploded the conversation because we had so much more time to spend with ourselves and to recognize what's really happening. And a mm -hmm. byproduct of that, you know, was the great resignation. And I think, you know, for so many people, they had the time to actually focus and realize like, man, have I just been stuck in this routine for so long? that like, I really am not happy. And what am I going to do to actually put myself first? And a lot of the times, you know, people took a giant leap in being able to leave their jobs, or leave an environment that was toxic to them, which was, you know, going into work every single day, and unfortunately, not having the best boss to communicate with or not being happy here, like, is this all worth it? And we saw mm -hmm. just a dramatic shift. And we're still dealing with the waves that have come from that rock being dropped in our still pond. Yeah, I think, What's interesting is I, you know, obviously you talk to lots of people about, about COVID and stuff like that, but just, I, I tend to be a, a silver lining type of individual. That rock drop was really huge for some people. I think it took them off the train tracks of life and they, and it, and it went and made them think, hold on a second. Like what, what am I actually doing? What's actually mm -hmm. important to me? Right. What am I actually spending my time doing? Why am I spending my time doing that? And I think a lot of people really had a new outlook on, on stuff like that. I did, I did want to touch briefly as well on, I think this ties, ties back in. So Francis has been around for a, a while then. Like yeah. So we, 2018, you guys? yeah, so we started, um, so my journey in 2014, um, I kind of was in a summer job. I was working on the back of a truck here in Las Vegas, installing office furniture, chairs, couches, cubicles, desks, stuff like that as a job when I got out of college. And that was one of my early experiences in recognizing what I did not want to do. And so my father had always been an entrepreneur. He had had like some successful healthcare, you know, organizations that he had stood up and sold and done all that kind of stuff. And so I came home one day and was like, hey, listen, like, I really want to start a business. And just so happened in 2014, the rule had dropped that said, if you're a provider, you can be paid as if someone is face to face with you if you have a virtual interaction like this. And so me mm -hmm. being 24 at the time was like, this is it. And just <laughs> after that, I had an experience um, at one of the hospice companies that I was partnering with. Because rewinding again, back in 2008, my grandmother um, went on to hospice very quickly and ended up passing away super fast as well. And we lived in Detroit at the time. 
but none of my family members had the resources, the money, the flexibility in their lifestyle to be able to drop everything and be with grandma. Now, my dad had been, you know, one of the people has been successful in his family, God bless him and all the sacrifices that he made. So he dropped everything and went to be with grandma. I remember saying goodbye to my grandmother on a cell phone back in 2008. And she had emphysema, so she couldn't speak really well. And it was so difficult to communicate all of the passion, all of the times that she had taken care of me as a little kid in a three-minute conversation. And so when I got into my professional world and video was becoming more relevant, I wanted to start a company that helped family members visit with their loved ones before they passed away so they could say goodbye. So we could have a group chat, if you will, of family members from Baltimore, Michigan, Florida, and they could speak to grandma who's in California. When we were doing that at a hospice company, the CEO of the hospice organization was like, hey, um, you know, there's a hospital over here that needs help getting access to mental health services. We have a shortage of providers here in Nevada. So it'd be really cool if you could use video to help their professionals, you know, do these evaluations. And I had other experiences like that. And so, you know, through my time in helping people stay connected, I realized the power of technology. And so we went from designing video solutions to designing two-way chat solutions for providers to stay in contact with their doctors. Now, in 2021, um, full-blown COVID is going on, and a lot of our mental and behavioral health professionals are looking for ways to engage with their patients and clients in the real world. Because a lot of time when it comes to mental health is spent outside of your interaction with your therapist. When I started thinking about my family experience, the black side of my family, we have always stigmatized mental health. Nobody was ever severely impacted enough to go talk to a therapist. So we used, you know, drinking alcohol on a Tuesday morning as a way to cope. We used smoking weed as a way for us to be able to deal with the problems we have. And we didn't talk about things. And so as my technological knowledge and I guess expertise started to grow, I started looking at text messages as a great way to meet people where they are in the world. And so when I look out at everybody on a daily basis, everybody's looking at their devices and we're going through the feed of social media so often, or we're looking at the news stories. But my thing was, how can I get in front of those people? And what that turned into was realizing that every time I'm on Instagram and my mom texts me, that message comes straight to the top. And it's mm -hmm. always that interruption that will snap me out of that scroll, if you will. And so I started partnering with my mental and behavioral health partners to create messages of support, compassion, empathy, reframes, or additional resources that would help people participate in mental wellness on a daily basis without having the burden of having to go utilize an application or even have the 10 minutes to meditate because of the stigma that comes along with like, I don't have the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so we created Francis as a way to support our partners, but also became a way for us to increase access to mental wellness and mental practice if I can send you a simple text message that reminds you that there are good things going around you and that you can use this little communication as a checklist for that, maybe that's a way to help people look at the next moment differently than kind of the negative space that we could be in in this moment. And it's just been really cool to be able to create something that, uh, you know, has an impact on people. I think that there's, man, there's so much I want to unpack there. The biggest thing is like, we spent a lot of time chatting about the negative sides of, of, of having these devices. Right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it's a tool and it's the way that we use that tool. And what I think is so powerful is the way that you've decided you're going to harness that tool to provide another thing that's really important, which is daily 
positive parts of your life, right? It's not a one-off thing. It's like it's not like going. It's like it's, it's like going to the gym. You don't just do it once and then it's it's done, right? It needs to be a daily practice. So you've taken what is we just spent a long time talking about the negative side of, of a tool and said, well, you know, we can actually use this to help us with a daily a daily affirmations and to be to start making those small movements towards being more daily positive. Yeah, man. You know, I look at it as you know, I've really tried to weaponize the power of text messages for good. You know, the one thing I realized is I'm never going to be able to beat this device because we are so ingrained in it today. But there are ways in which we can use this tool to have a positive impact. And you hit it right on the head. And I've never really looked at it that way. Um, But, you know, we have to be able to use these forces. I kind of look at like being able to kind of just like churn energy a little bit. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) if you're in the ocean, for example, spending so much time in Hawaii, the waves sometimes will mess you up. But if you have the right tool underneath you on that wave, you can actually ride that thing and it can be quite enjoyable. So it's like Mm -hmm. using the forces in nature, in nature that we have today um, for the power of good and for enjoyment and positivity and support and encouragement can just be so powerful, man. Yeah. Which... Amazing enough segues right into the last thing I wanted to chit chat about, which was that that negative optimism, right? Because I think one of the issues that comes up is that people, you know, they're like, oh, like if I'm too optimistic or too positive, I get these blinders on. I don't realize what's going on in life. And to use the same metaphor with the ocean and, and the tool, if you ignore the way, which ways the waves are pushing you, you're going to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the waves, you go, how can I use these? What tools do I have to get myself through this situation? And I see it the same way with with negative optimism, right? That you can't, they always say, oh, rose-tinted glasses, right? You, you shouldn't be wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'm like, why not? They're still, I can still see what's going on. I'm not blind. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm only going to see the stuff that really matters. And like, if there's a big negative thing, I'm going to notice it because I'm still, I'm still aware of what's happening. I'm just going to react a lot differently to it. So what's your take on, on negative optimism and, you know, is it a thing? Is it something we have to worry about? I think my perspective on negative optimism, and I'm going to reframe that as like a toxic positivity. You know, I've yep. been, so people slide into my DM sometimes and they're like, you know, you're just like toxically positive, man. And I'm like, okay, well, let's choose what side of the fence do I want to be on? I can be on the side where I'm going to look at things negatively, or I'm going to use, and this is what I love to refer to as Freeman. I like to use optimism as a framework to make choices. So, you know, one of the things I think we get in trouble about in society today is acting like we do not have a choice to react to certain things. And I really get excited about using the optimistic framework as a sense of accountability. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the entrepreneurial world, there is so much stuff that is outside of my control, but I do have control on how I'm going to react and view a situation. Did the business deal go well? No, it did not. But what is the silver lining like you referred to yourself as a little earlier? I learned a lesson. I have the ability to show up better next time. And in this game of life that we're in, I love to refer to it that way. The objective is to not quit. The objective is to keep going and to keep iterating Mm -hmm. and to keep moving forward. Just like you're playing Mario, you know what I mean? Like the get hit by a shell. Awesome. Well, now I know what I'm going to do next time. And it's fun along the journey. (laughs) But I look at, you know, as optimism as a choice. And I feel bad for the people who show up on a daily basis and are like, well, that's just terrible. It's like, guys, you have a choice. And if you're not being optimistic about your current situation, and you're going to put those self-limiting beliefs on yourselves and that ceiling on yourself, 
then, you know, I wish the best for you, but I know you're going to be fighting an uphill battle the entire time. And that's going to be really tough. That's like my mm -hmm. two cents on kind of that negativity. I just choose not to operate from that place and I'll be okay because I'm going to fall on my own sword. And this is my life. You know what I mean? And everybody else technically is just participating in it. And I'm going to operate the way I want to operate. Man, I love that. I love that you said like, you, you know, you'll fall on your own sword because same thing. I like that you switched to toxic positivity because that's something that I, I get um, commented on a lot as well. For me, the opposite is worse. I would rather be toxic positive than the alternative. If, I, if I'm weighing pros and cons, mm -hmm. the pros of being overly optimistic far outweigh the cons. Absolutely. Like, like no, no word or discussion on it. Right. I think it's really interesting as well. Positivity creates opportunity, right? If you're a negative individual, everything that comes across you, you're going to look at the bad side of it, the problems, the issues that might arise. But if you're a pot, if you're looking from a positive mind frame, you're going to look at like, Oh, what can that do for me? What can I gain from it? What can go well? What influence will it have for myself? It's one of the big reasons of doing a lot of what I'm doing is I want to, empower people to begin to have that positive outlook right and begin to look at it the right way and obviously the two of us kind of have that outlook but like you said there's lots of people who don't right they show up every day and they're pessimistic and they're negative and it's like hey you don't have to be that way you're not hardwired that way right it's been proven that we can change the way our brains function so mm -hmm. there's nobody's forcing you to stay optimist or pessimistic but also it's a, not a quick fix you have to do daily things to make it happen. You have to build little habits to start having those more positive outlooks on life. You don't just get to decide one day to go, boop, yep, okay, I'm happy now. Like, that's yeah. not how it works, right? Uh, I wish it's how it worked. It would be a lot easier, but it's not. It takes uh, it takes time and, and takes practice, right? So I love that. I think Francis is a great part of, of giving people that, that little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like the, it's the consistency. You know what I mean? And this is what I love about, you know, your 365 days is it's the consistency through time that will give you the result. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And you and I talked about this, you know, I'm listening uh, this year. I'm really trying to focus as a, when I'm 32 years old, I want to build better habits. And those habits will produce the outcomes that I'm looking for. But one of the things we talked about before we hopped on live here today was, you know, results-based habits. Like I want to lose weight. So I'm going to, you know, not eat food at dinner. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to do all these things that will help me get the result that I want, but it's not going to be sustainable rather than having an identity based, um, you know, habit, which is if I want to be positive, how would someone who is optimistic in this situation, look at the result? Was it good? Was it bad? Where is there a silver lining? You can reverse engineer those simple tools by operating from a place of who would be able to accomplish this goal who would be able to get the outcome as a by uh, as a byproduct of the daily choices that I make. And I just love, you know, what you're doing because like you're having a huge impact, even like creating this forum for us to be able to have this conversation creates visibility and is one small push in the direction against all of the negativity and the terrible things that we see on a daily basis. And it's just so beneficial, man. I can't thank yeah. you enough for, you know, inviting me to have this conversation with you. Man, thanks. Thanks for jumping on it. I think it, yeah, it's part of the part of my driving force to do a lot of this is to, to empower people to have that positive outlook and to be that positive thing. And you like you, like we said, very, at the very beginning of all this story is creating that ripple effect to go out, right? And slowly begin to change the lives of many, many people. I love, a, I just saw, I just saw Marty comment in there. And he was like, you know, I gravitate towards um, positive attitudes. Yes, we can. You know, it's a simple like that is a choice that I love to be able to refer back to Marty as well. 
you know, when you, and this is kind of going to revert back a little bit. I'm really interested at this point in my life in accountability. And when you have solid accountability for everything that's going on in your life, it gives you the power to make so many great decisions. Like, you know, maybe I didn't do the best job that I could have in communicating with my friends. And now maybe our relationship isn't where it should be. If we take accountability for that, it gives us the power to make a choice. And like you mm -hmm. say, Marty, you know, yes, we can. We have the ability to make choices and to be effective and to choose how we move forward rather than being kind of in the flow. And I saw this last thing I'm going to say here because I want to keep rambling. <laughs> on, on TikTok the other day, I saw somebody made a comment and he was like, yeah, I was in the gym today and somebody asked me, how's your day gone? And he said, I'm just going with the flow. And he was like, remember that only dead fish go with the flow. Oof. And it was interesting to hear that perspective of like, sharks don't go with the flow. They're always swimming and doing their own thing. A lot of fish are not going with the flow. They're not just floating down the river. Salmon, for example, go against the flow to get to where they need to go. And it was just a very interesting perspective to hear that like, when you take control, you're going to be navigating your own ship, you're going to be swimming where you need to swim. And you're often not going with the flow. If you're really mm -hmm. making stuff happen for yourself. And I thought that was so interesting. I guess the trick there is you still use the flow, right? But you don't, yeah. You don't let it control you. And I think that's the big thing there, right? If you, if yeah. you lean hard into that metaphor. I want to ask, um, I got a couple questions here that I want to ask kind of quick fire here before mm -hmm. we start to wrap up. Two sets of questions. So the first one, what are three things that you do daily that you think are driving you to be more optimistic? The first is um, I wake up and in that in itself, it is a huge gift. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many people pass away each day and don't get an opportunity to actually pursue what they're doing each day. The mm -hmm. second is I call my family members now that I've gotten a little bit older and I tell them that I love them each day. So I make a morning phone call routine, dad, mom, my sister. And then sometimes it's dad is sitting next to my mom. So I'll call him, have a conversation. Then I'll call my mom and I'll hear my dad next to and be like, oh, that's Keenan. Um, so those are some of the things that I do. And the other thing that I'm trying to do, which you mentioned as well, is I'm trying to be more present. It's a big focus of mine. You know, sometimes going on a walk, having the opportunity to just like hang out with your dog in the backyard. Some of those things are just gigantic blessings that we don't pay enough attention to. You know, the dollars are going to come. The money is going to come. The fame is going to come if it's meant to be. But I doubt those are the things that you're thinking about in the very end. You know what I mean? When you're on your deathbed, you're going to think about all the times where you were just running around, sharing breakfast, hanging out with your friends, going to concerts, doing the things that actually make a real difference um, are the things that I'm trying to focus on and start building that memory bank of all of those flashes in my head because those are things that are really going to be valuable for me. Man, that's power. I love that. I love that you call your family every day. That's amazing because, yeah, I guess you never know when you won't be able to call them, eh? That's, yeah. That's the, um, the side of it there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of last, at the end of uh, 2021, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And, you know, one of the biggest things that happened in my life is that was the first time where someone's mortality of my close family has been challenged. And I realized all the times that we don't get along, all the times that maybe we're like we're on a tiff and things like that, all of those things instantly disappear when you realize that time is not here forever. And mm -hmm. so being able to cherish those things is just so, so, so very important. Yeah, I love that. And the next set of questions is, what are the three most important things you think people need to be doing to get more positivity in their lives? Um, the first thing is limit what we consume. 
you know, you and I talked about fitness today. And, you know, if you want to get results when you're in the gym and you're working out, you need to have a good diet. The diet is 90% of the game. So what I like to refer to as well is your mental diet needs to also be audited the same way you do with your physical diet. So when you wake up in the morning, you hop on Instagram, and you do the reels of a TikTok. You need to be aware that you're being fed things, then you're in a buffet line and you're being forced to eat everything in the line rather than <laughs> having control over it. So that is the first thing is watch our mental diet because what we get or what we put in is what we get out. That's a huge one. Nice. Yeah. Do you got two more? Two more. Um, the second thing is, second thing is I think we all need to be active. I think, you know, fitness is a huge issue uh, that a lot of people deal with. You know, it's very difficult to be active and to be moving and to be negative or to be depressed at the same time. Your body will yeah. release endorphins. Your body will release feel-good chemicals when we're up and we're moving around. That's a huge one. And the last thing that I would say, we all need to really focus on what happiness means to us. It's not going to be somebody else's definition. It's not going to be having the car just because the Joneses have the car. It's not going to be doing all of these different things. But your definition of happiness is only up for you to define. And our only mission is to find what that means and to pursue that savagely. Man, that was those were good. So pay attention to our diet, not just what we eat, but what we consume on a, on a mental basis. Mm -hmm. that. Be active more. Get out. Right. Like you said, you can't be you can't be unhappy when you're when you're moving around. Mm hmm. And um, what was the last one? Oh, last one was figure out what happiness means to you. Figure out you know, what is you're going to have to define what that means. And you're the only person who can really do that. Man, I love that. Thanks so much, Keenan, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the insight you've given. And hopefully um, some people listening have, have gathered some information and can take some takeaways. Yeah. If you haven't um, already, guys, I do recommend check out Francis if it's something that you're interested in. If you want to get a daily text message of an affirmation like... I know I'm going to have a peek at it here after this and then um, feel free to check out my newsletter as well. And all those links will be in the descriptions of the event here. So you scroll down there have a look at them uh, and follow Keenan on, on Instagram at. Yeah. Keenan Hart. Hart. Yep. Keenan Hart. Nice. Um, also you can find me on Twitter at Keenan Hart as well. And then my LinkedIn as well. Search me out Keenan Hart. I've got a gorilla in my name uh, to go with Francis. Gorilla and a heart. Heart. I love it. So yeah. You can find me there, man. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Keenan. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having this conversation. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everybody who hopped into the chat today and participated. It's been awesome to be able to kind of, you know, mesh with you guys and talk about the things that are so important to us. It's been great. Awesome, guys. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this, this kind of positivity and uh, go out, have a good day and uh, try to make somebody else smile today. Thanks. Absolutely.